And now, Manufacturing Matters with your host, Cliff Waldman. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Manufacturing Matters with Cliff Waldman. I'm your host, Cliff Waldman, for this show, one of many on Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm broadcasting live today, five and a half hours after the Labor Department released the April jobs report. I'm talking from my home. I suspect that many of you are listening from your home. And as if we needed another reminder of the great time of challenge that we live in, the April jobs report laid bare for us the economic carnage that has been brought about by a destructive viral pandemic. All kinds of records have been broken by the numbers that the Bureau of Labor Statistics released this morning. It wasn't unexpected, but it was nonetheless harsh to see it on paper. I'm going to spend a few minutes with you today. We're going to review the numbers, we're going to put them in some perspective, and then we'll do what we really must be doing at a time like this is looking ahead. Total non-farm payroll, the total number of jobs, payroll jobs in the economy, fell by an unprecedented and historic 20.5 million in April. There was a rise of almost 16 million from April in the ranks of the unemployed, 16 million. The unemployment rate rose to 14.7%, a rise of 10.3 percentage points from April. In the modern era, the worst month-over-month, single-month job loss was just under 2 million in September of 1945. We are now looking at a single-month job loss in April of of more than 20 million. Since January of 1948, the highest that we have seen for an unemployment rate was 10.8% in November and December of 1982. Amidst the deep 1980s recession that partially came about by the Fed's efforts to contain high and unstable um, inflation. And the Bureau of Labor Statistics showed no light. They told us that heavy job losses were across all sectors. And really, the number of jobs lost understated the problem, because while we want to look at unemployment, we also want to look at underemployment. The number of workers working part-time for economic reasons, those, those who are working part-time, because, but they prefer to work full-time, and they have to work part-time for economic reasons, doubled to almost 11 million in April. Unsurprisingly, the hardest-hit sector was leisure and hospitality, which lost 7.7 million jobs in April. If because of underemployment, the jobs numbers understate the degree of job loss, of of earnings loss, of wage loss in April, then the unemployment rate really is understated as well because the labor force participation rate, 
That is the percent of the working age population, the 16 and over population, that is either working or looking for work, fell by a remarkably sharp 2.5 percentage points in April. Now with the, it's now at the lowest level since January of 1973. With so many who have been laid off not seeking jobs, that means that they're not counted as being unemployed. And therefore, that 14.7% unemployment rate really is actually an undercount of the stress in the labor market. In terms of population groupings, cohorts, what they're formally called, the starkest differences came in educational attainment. The unemployment rate for those who with less than a high school diploma rose to 21.2% in April. For those with a but by contrast, for those with a bachelor's degree and higher, it rose to 8.4%. 8.4% is high, it's difficult. But 21.2% really means that we have a severe crisis right now in the population of unskilled workers. There's a lot underlying this, but it is clear that a disproportionate share of the educated workforce are in industries where telecommuting is either possible or, and or becoming more prevalent. All right, that's the broad picture. What about the U.S. manufacturing sector? The U.S. manufacturing sector in April lost 1.3 million jobs. That is orders of magnitude higher than the worst one-month job loss since 1939. We are breaking modern post-World War II records. Most of the job losses in the manufacturing sector, about 914,000 of them, were in durable goods. Within the durable goods sector, most of the job losses were in transportation equipment. And within transportation equipment, most of the job losses, unsurprisingly, were in motor vehicles. Motor vehicles lost 382,000 jobs. Because, as we all know, a lot of oil plants were shut down. Within the non-durable goods sector, there were large losses in food manufacturing, which lost 86,000 jobs, printing and related support, which lost 79,000 jobs, and rubber and plastics, which lost 66,000 jobs. Okay, it wasn't unexpected, and we know why it happened, but... We have to ask the most important question now that the news is out, that we know why it happened. What about the future? Well, let's start. If, uh, let's divide that question between the short term future and a little longer. In terms of the short term future, for the next few months, the situation does not look good. We've had the, a number of initial claims for unemployment insurance a very, very good leading indicator of the job market and of the economy itself. While fortunately they've come down from the worst levels, they are, they've come down from 6 million five or six weeks ago to a little up to 3.8 million as of the last reading. Yes, that is a big drop, but it is still 
I'll get and I'll use that term, orders of magnitude higher than the highest initial claims we've had in the worst recession, certainly of the modern era, certainly of our lifetimes. And trade association data are not particularly encouraging about the next few months. The LFIB data, which are longstanding, very reliable data on activity in the, in the important small business sector, which we have been working very hard on the federal and state level to protect because of its job-generating importance. Net hiring plans for the next three months fell precipitously. You can almost say that they collapsed in March. Not really a good signal for what we're going to see in the labor market reports in May and June, although I will say that I suspect that this April report, which I just described to you, is probably the worst. I'm worried about knock-on effects. We know why this happened, but is there going to be a second economic wave with so many people unemployed? With, with such strife in the labor market and the economy, is that going to cause shutdown, strife, not for health reasons, but just because there's such a precipitous drop in spending, a precipitous drop in anything related to positive economic activity? Are we going to have a kind of knock-on effect from this first wave? A lot of that possible knock-on effect can be mitigated by policy. Policy can intervene. Both monetary and fiscal policy can intervene to, pro um, to protect us from a second economic wave. We've had a lot of it already. The Fed has been aggressive. There have been programs, albeit imperfect and imperfectly executed on the fiscal side. States have been spending themselves uh, dry to try to do something about this. So hopefully the policies that are in place will at least mitigate knock-on effects. What I'm not sure is whether or not we're, you know, they're going to be able to totally stop you know, the second wave generated by this huge historic hit to the labor market. For manufacturing recovery, manufacturing's recovery, remember, Manufacturing is the most international sector. Over the past decades, a growing share of U.S. manufacturing output is either tied internationally vis-a-vis -vis supply chains or is sold internationally vis-a-vis uh, -vis exports. So for manufacturing, we have to worry not only about a U.S. recovery, but about a global recovery. And the global economy is in as much trouble as the U.S. economy. The International Monetary Fund is predicting for calendar year 2020 an unheard of 3% decline in global output. They see a comeback in 2021, but they admit it's a tentative one. It is a little interesting and I, perhaps a little encouraging that in April, the number of unemployed, unemployed workers who reported being on temporary layoff increased by about tenfold to 18.1 million in April. What you would hope for 
is that once we get to whatever the other side of this looks like, that there, there'll be jobs for them to go back to. Once the pandemic subsides enough that economic activity can somewhat, if not totally normalize, you would hope that with so many being on quote-unquote temporary layoff, sometimes called furlough, that there'll be jobs for them to go back to. That relates to stability. My fear there is business bankruptcies, business sector stability, and that, too, can be a function of policy. A lot of policy in place to try to keep these small business units, which are so important for job growth, together. But I suspect as we go through the difficult process of trying to reopen while trying to contain this virus, that it's going to be difficult, and that, too, is somewhat uncertain. It's important to remember that the economy, in terms of this horrible hit to the labor market, worse than what we saw in the 30s and the 40s, it is important to remember that the economy didn't really do this to us. We did this to the economy, and we did it for the right reason, to save lives. The path of this destructive viral pandemic in terms of vaccinations, therapeutics, and containment of the virus is the most important factor in the outlook beyond, certainly in the short term and certainly in the long term, what happens with the virus and everything that we're going to do to try and treat it and try to prevent it. That's the most important factor in what the short-term outlook and what the long-term outlook will look like. Never in any of our lifetimes have our economic welfare and our health been so inextricably linked, both on this show, Manufacturing Matters, and on my other spot on talk radio, Cliff Notes. I will be keeping you closely abreast of the numbers and the relevant issues as the economy tries to to get past this difficult time and how the virus activity and economic activity are interacting with each other in ways that we have never seen before. I'll try to keep it simple and keep you on top of it and keep you informed. Until then, this is Cliff Waldman, and I'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.